listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, Lakers fans? Recording this on the eve of the NBA trade deadline. Lots to discuss. Before we jump into that, don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your fix. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com throughout the season. And of course, on trade deadline day, Anthony, Christian, Sabrina, the entire crew there will have you covered. Joining me for this one, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, let's jump into this first. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. We're feeling optimistic that the pandemic is coming to an end. Hopefully by summer. Is that what you're going with? Yeah, based on based on, you know, kind of the trend in, in numbers in terms of cases themselves and and number of people who are getting vaccinated and and all these different areas that are getting vaccinated and stuff. It's a uh, it's exciting to think that there might be some normalcy at the end of this tunnel. And I believe there was a report last week about uh, L.A. hitting important milestones to be able to potentially have fans in Staples Center for playoff games, which you know, might not matter as much because the Lakers might lose home court advantage, but still it'd be nice to see. Well, yeah, no, they, they are saying that they're saying by the first week, uh, first weekend of April, the aim is right now, if the numbers continue to go as they are, uh, they'll be able to allow it. I think it's only maybe 10% or 15%. Again, I, I might be wrong on that, but they're, they're planning on allowing that as the first phase. And then what the rule is, if, if they, if they meet certain criteria, like in terms of the numbers for, three weeks in a row, they can move up to another uh, another tier. So I, I, I am optimistic too. I'm with you. I think by the time the playoffs roll around, I think we might be able to see something like, you know, 30, 40% of fans allowed into Staples Center because the Heat are doing that where they have a vaccination only section now, right? They're opening that up, I believe this week that they're going to allow uh, people who have got the vaccine in into into their arena. So like you said, I think we're, I think we're getting there sooner than later. Although it's been a weird long year, I think everybody just kind of done with it. No? Yeah. Yeah. That's for, that's for damn sure. I think, uh, the notion of, of getting one of these vaccines and being able to hop on a plane and go home and see my family again for the first time in over a year would, uh, would, is, is, is the kind of thing that like brings actual chills when I think about it. It's, oh, I'm it's crazy. You, 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 you like, you spend enough time away from people, it becomes normal. And then you're like, wait, wait, I could go see them wild you know and, yeah. and and that's kind of what that's kind of where i'm at right now well it's, it's funny man even for me like the canadian border's been closed and i've been able to go back and i'm like oh man i might be able to go home in like may or june or july you know what i mean somewhere like that i'm like okay so this is kind of coming up because i think everybody kind of got stuck in this nor like this be i know we've heard the cliche before so many times like this has become the new normal i think everybody just kind of got adjusted to that and then as we're seeing the vaccine and the cases are going down in most states you know it's kind of like everybody's starting to have this optimism because i noticed that in, in in downtown los angeles is there's more people out you know everybody's still doing the distancing and, and wearing masks but there's like a sense of optimism i haven't felt since you know at some point last year before this whole thing struck yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's just any normalcy like <laughs> That's what that's what the fight has been about since since like all of this started has been like, hey, wear your mask and social distance and do those things so that we can one day get back to normal. And 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 hey, now that the vaccine is out, please go get it if you can so that we can start really getting back to normal. And and so now that, you know, those requests have been made, albeit uh, arduously in some cases versus others um, and with some people versus others. We, we are returning to normalcy and, and sure there might be the occasional Andrew Wiggins who refuses to get the shot or whatever, but 
the idea is that if we can make him the the extreme, extreme, extreme uh, outlier, then he, he might not pose as big of a threat. So come on, Andrew Wiggins, you're Canadian. You're embarrassing me, man. Get the shot, right? That's it's up to him. But come on, man. You know what I mean? We're sensible people. We're supposed to be at least. Don't get involved in this mess. But uh, exactly, there's a lot going on in, in Lakerland too. They're coming off a, a pretty ugly 128-111 loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, not surprising. They're without their two best players, and like I've, I've said the whole time for the entire season, which is you got two of the best five players in the league on your team. You can argue that as much as you want. That's fine. But either way, at least two of the top 10, both those guys gone. It's been a, it's been an ugly, it was an ugly game yesterday. Probably going to be an ugly couple of weeks. We'll, we'll get into that as we go forward, but lots of news on the trade deadline front. Um, as, as Christian wrote about on, on silver screen and uh, the Lakers trying to get involved in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. He's of course is the longtime point guard for the Toronto Raptors NBA champion uh, making upwards of $30 million a season, although he is heading into free agency and he's uh, turning 35 actually on deadline day, which is on Thursday. Uh, what do you make of this? Do you think this is something that they're trying to do? The Lakers are maybe looking at in order to avoid him going to the Clippers who are seemingly have been playing without a point guard for the entire season. Um, how do you look at this and where do you think Lowry would fit? And I mean, the, again, the pieces they're saying, you know, reportedly the Lakers are making guys like uh, Montrez Harrell, um, Dennis Schroeder, KCP available. What, do you, do you think there's any traction to this or do you think this is just them? Hey, trying to maybe, you know, increase the price for the Clippers or, or try and, you know, make it harder for them to get him. What, what do you make of this whole Lowry thing? I I'm still very skeptical about it. Like that would be if the Lakers trade Trez KCP and Schroeder for Lowry, um, that might, you know, that might signal that, Hey, Brooklyn has looked better than, than they have. That might also tell me potentially that LeBron James's injury might hold him out as long as such an inju injury holds people out. Usually, um, it could, it could signal any number of things. I just, it feels to me like the best way to get your angle out there into the world and increase leverage for yourself is to tie yourself to the Lakers, right? So if you're a free agent and you want an extra million from the team that you're negotiating against, you have your agent leak, uh, to Woj or to Shams or to anybody Hey, uh, the Lakers might also be interested in us, right? And and they can take that and relay it as it's relay as it's offered to them. They can say that the Lakers are interested in them, uh, and and like as soon as Woj, Shams, Stein, any any of those guys uh, hear Lakers in any kind of a rumor, it's it's going to get publicized like ESPN would be angry if if the, it doesn't get tied to the Lakers in some way because Kyle Lowry could wind up in Miami could wind up in Philly uh it's not as juicy as Kyle Lowry could wind up in Miami could wind up in Philly or he could wind up in the Lakers yeah, that equals, hands, you know yeah, wait, 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 lessening the retweets by about 5,000 if the if the Lakers aren't involved in it so it's it's easy for them to 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 like you said they love the fact that you're mentioning LeBron James and, and the Lakers are a signature franchise right yeah right like you 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 know the the retweets go down the aggregations go down as much as Windhorse hates us like ESPN runs off of aggregation and and so I just think where where we're at right now and where the Lakers were heading 
it just seems like a lot to give up for a 35-year-old point guard, who, by the way, is also expecting to get paid by whatever team uh, signs him. He's, he's demanding an extension wherever he shows up. Uh, and, and I don't know, man, like I, I would just rather see the Lakers in the, as the uh, team that we saw before Anthony Davis got hurt and before Dennis Schroeder and LeBron James and Marcus Gasol and, and even Alex Caruso got hurt. It was the best team in the league by a decent margin. And, and, and sure, maybe you can make the argument that Brooklyn has really cut into that margin, but I don't think they've done enough to for the lakers to make this knee-jerk reaction and and go out there and trade for for kyle lowry like this yeah you you had mentioned that too that lowry wants to have an extension you know we're both i think and anybody with half a brain who's an nba fan knows he's not going to get paid you know 20 30 million dollars again on his next deal but you know is that something the lakers want to commit to and like you're mentioning i mean i think this is more posturing than than anything else because if you look at it like you're going to give up Schroeder, you know, what is the package that they, you know, they have to give up to to make the salaries work. You know, you're basically looking at, you're having to give up a package of, um, you know, KCP and one of Schroeder or Harrell in order to bring this guy in. Is that really going to, you know, is that going to move the needle as a team? Like, do do you think that, let's just say the the package was uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope and Montrez Harrell, uh, plus, you know, a future first rounder, let's say for, for Kyle Lowry, do you think that would make the Lakers better as a team? Or do you think that's like, you're, you're just kind of making a lateral move at that point? I don't even, it doesn't work like that. That trade doesn't work. They would still need to add, add another uh, salary for, yeah, another yeah. 4 million or so. Uh, and so if you, if you do that, like, are you adding Wesley Matthews? I guess Wesley Matthews makes it work, but the, the, then the problem becomes, all right, so you're acquiring Kyle Lowry, and you now need to add two players to your roster uh, to 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 meet uh, the demands of of what is expected of all these teams by the league, and you're doing so with very little money. But like, if you, the, I think the one argument you can make is, let's say it's it is KCP and it is Harrell. Although I think it would be, it would have to be Schroeder. Like actually, if it's Schroeder and Harrell basically for Lowry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to take out KCP because it might actually work under this. So, yeah. So if it's Schroeder and Harrell for Kyle Lowry, the trade, you know, meets the CBA requirements. And if the Lakers are anticipating as are most league insiders and executives and stuff, uh, if they're expecting to land Andre Drummond, you basically turn Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell into Kyle Lowry and Andre Drummond, and I think that's a better duo than than the Lakers currently have on their roster right now. So that's the argument for it. The problem though is that like I don't think Toronto takes that deal. They they yeah. could get they could get Tyrese Maxey from uh, Philly, who costs a lot less money. They could get Duncan Robinson from Miami, and and he has I think a brighter future than the guys that the the Lakers are offering here. Those teams uh, might also have picks or better pick compensation that the Lakers have currently right now. And, you know, if you're, if you're a Masai Ujiri is the goal to trade Kyle Lowry and still maybe compete right now with a under, with a different core, maybe like you can make the, I I could see it maybe because they already have Pascal Siakam and, and uh, they hope to continue to be able to compete around him. But either way, like, this is this is the underwriting issue with any of the rumors that the Lakers are in right now with any of the names, whether it's Lowry or Oladipo 
or Aaron Gordon, although they haven't been tied to Aaron Gordon at all. Mm-hmm. But like, even if they're, even if they do try to make any of these offers for any of these guys, the, the Houston can, I think, very easily find a trade package that is better than what the Lakers are offering. It's the opposite of the Anthony Davis situation where there were no other offers than the, than the ones that the Lakers were making. The, the, the Celtics weren't offering Jason Tatum. The uh, Knicks weren't capable of putting a, <laughs> anything <laughs> like together, two yeah, decent yeah. basketball players together <laughs> uh, in, in a, in a trade offer for a generational big. Uh, whereas now there is more competition. It's more of a seller's market. And these guys haven't isolated the Lakers as this team that they demand to go to. So the Lakers find themselves in a tougher spot when they're trading for all these guys. And by the way, they don't have to make any of these deals. Like they're, they're, they're a perfectly fine, if not really, really good team without Kyle Lowry. And that's my, that's the way I was looking at it. The same way you're saying, it's like, okay, you look at him, you know, before AD got hurt, and you and he had missed a couple of games before that anyways, but you look at them. I mean, they were sitting at what, 21 and seven um, just behind Utah. I believe in that at that point in the, in the standings, not like they were you know back by four or five games right now. They're currently sitting in fourth, a game and a half up on Denver, two and a half up on Portland. And then you get to the playing uh, seeds, which are San Antonio and Dallas currently at the moment. And they're both four, four and a half games behind the Lakers. And if you're looking at them, I'm like, Dude, if you get Anthony Davis and LeBron James and like ankles, high ankle sprains can be very tricky. And I think they should mm-hmm. absolutely be super cautious with bringing back LeBron too quick, um, you know, giving him, uh, you know, maybe putting some pressure on him because of the fact that, oh, you know, we're, we're falling down the standings. Like, no, even if you put that team uh, falls down to seven, let's just say, I mean, I, I don't think the Spurs will will technically necessarily catch the Lakers over the next couple of weeks, which is the optimistic timeline that maybe we'll get LeBron back within a couple of weeks. But I think if you look at it, like, can you imagine being Phoenix and or 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 the Clippers and finishing as a three seed and then being like, damn, we got to take on LeBron and AD in the first round? Like, I'm, I'm with you. I think the Lakers, as they were, they were they were one of the best defensive teams, like the best defensive rated in terms of defensive rating, pardon me, the highest um ranked team in terms of that second behind the Knicks, I believe still in, in, in points allowed per game. So it's like, if you're looking at them, like, dude, they're going to be just fine. Like, do you, do you think they have to make a panic move at this point? Or is it just like, like if you were Rob Palenka, would you be like, all right, let's just be calm and patient. Let's get healthy. We got the horses and let's just get into the playoffs and, and go for it then. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they need to make that kind of a panic deal. I think they, they, and and by the way, I don't think they do make that kind of a panic deal. I just don't see, I don't see the stars aligning for, for any such of a, uh, any such trade. And, and, you know, they have two roster spots right now. One was filled by Damian Jones and look, I love Damian Jones as much as anybody, but his impact was outsized because of such desperate need that the Lakers had. So if you get a more talented Damian Jones in there, the Lakers become better and if you if you go out there and you uh, find a a halfway decent wing, you know a, a three and D wing type player, I'm holding out hope for Otto Porter. Then look at that, the Lakers just got better all of uh, all of a sudden again. And then also, by the way, if you go out there and you add, let's just say hypothetically speaking, there was a 36 year old player who might make the argument for the greatest basketball player in the, in the history of the sport, um, who is the rudder engine and sail to the boat that you're, you're trying to drive. And he might return within, you know, a month, month and a half or so, uh, that would probably make you a better team. Oh, and by the way, there's this pterodactyl, uh, who 
can defend in ways all over the court that no other player in the NBA can currently defend. And also last year in the postseason showed a proclivity for scoring in, in, in isolation in ways that teams just can't really defend in the postseason. Maybe if he, if, if, if the Lakers could somehow stumble upon somebody like that in the next couple of weeks, that would be super helpful. And I think that's what the Lakers should probably rely upon is, is, is getting their two freaking thoroughbreds back and, 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 and try to hit their stride as quickly as possible and get ready for the postseason. Anthony Irwin, podcast host and now poet as well. Listen to this, right? This guy's using $20 words every chance he gets, but uh, uh, I, I'm with you on that. I actually want to talk to you about when LeBron and, and AD return. Uh, let's do that after a short break. All right, we're back. Anthony, you know, you were mentioning before that, like you said, they got these these big horses, thoroughbreds coming back in, in hopefully, again, we're, we're holding out hope here that it's maybe two to three weeks, which is an optimistic timeline I, I think in my opinion just given that what we know about ad's injury and lebron he's a superhuman he's a, he's a freak athlete so he could come back sooner than later and and look 100 again too so again we just don't know what's going to happen because they're both very tricky injuries when you're dealing with a high ankle sprain and an achilles problem as well um when you're looking at the lakers schedule now uh, the, over the next couple of weeks I and mean, they got a tough game against the eastern conference uh, leading philadelphia 76ers that's coming up on deadline night and then you got a couple of easy ones like you got cleveland coming up on friday Orlando on Sunday, and then you get into next week. The Lakers only have two games, so that's good. They'll get some more breaks there. A tough one against Giannis and the Bucks, and then you go, you know, home to Sacramento. That basically takes week one, and then you got the Clippers, Toronto, Miami, Brooklyn, which is a pretty tough row minus Toronto. When you look at how this Lakers team is, I mean, again, they're they're so shorthanded in terms of talent. Do you think like where do you think they'll be sitting after these next, let's say, eight games? Well, I, I think they're still going to really struggle. You know, because because those thoroughbreds are are not currently available for the Lakers. Like you, you're looking at uh, a really tough stretch where not only are the Lakers playing tough teams, but they're doing so on in in on really short form, right? It's it's some it's like thirteen or nine games in thirteen days or something ridiculous like that. And uh, so the teams that the Lakers are playing are going to push them. And like, look, maybe they just get slaughtered night in, night out, and everybody's nice and rested by the end of these next nine nine games. But but I think the you know they're they're not a very good team right now as currently uh, constructed. It's why they can be tied to Kyle Lowry and to Victor Oladipo because uh, those reports make a whole lot more sense when the Lakers are at this weakened state. If the if Woj was out there reporting that the Lakers were considering trading for Victor Oladipo or trading multiple uh, rotation players for a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry while the Lakers had won 20 games in a row, nobody would listen. Nobody would nobody would pay it any, any uh, mind. So I think where the Lakers kind of stand right now is you just got to get through the stretch that that they have to get through. Hopefully Marcus Saul can can come back relatively soon now that he's at least out of protocol. And, and you can hopefully get AD back to, to have some semblance of, of an NBA defense, a, an NBA league average defense. Until then, the Lakers just kind of have to take their lumps. Who, who do you think comes back for a set of LeBron and, and AD? Like, what do you, what, just like off your top of your head, like, do you, do you think they're going to be a little bit more cautious with AD and keep him out longer? Cause that, that would be who I would go with. Cause I look at it and I'm like, you don't want to mess with an Achilles, you know, calf area. We saw what happened with, with Kevin Durant. In the 2019 playoffs, you don't want to rush that and force him back too early. And I feel like with LeBron, like I've said, the high ankle sprain, 
it could cost you six weeks. It could cost you three weeks. It could cost you eight weeks. We don't, you know, we, it just depends on how the recovery goes, but I just think LeBron being LeBron and not having the history of injuries minus the one that he had in his first season with the Lakers. I, I think that LeBron will come back sooner than, than AD. Um, no, I, I, I have to, I have to think that the Lakers are just as cautious with LeBron as they are with AD just because it's, you know, the, the, the high ankle sprain isn't that far from any Achilles issues. Right. And if you like people kind of forget when Kobe got hurt, um, he had actually turned his ankle like two, three times, I believe in the exact game that before he went down. And I remember it reached a point where I was like, ah, <laughs> this doesn't seem safe. Yeah. Uh, and obviously I, I, that was pre Twitter. So it wasn't like you could fire off those, those tweets into the, into the ether and then get ethered. Um, so it was, you know, I, I, I think just based off of how these injuries typically go, Davis has already been out for, um, a prolonged period of time. And, and so I, I think he's more on schedule to return, uh, sooner than, than LeBron who those, like anybody who has played fantasy football has lost a running back to a high ankle sprain over the course of a season. And it derails their entire year. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, like LeBron is not built like the rest of us and, and all of that, but, but it's still, you know, human anatomy that we're talking about right now. And it's just, it's stretching the imagination to think he's going to make it back before somebody who's already been out and has now been reassessed a couple times over. Well, it's it's funny because I'm I'm a 49ers fan, and high ankle sprains were given out like candy throughout the season last year, the NFL year, and the and it just killed their season. You know what I mean? Every guy that ended up with a high ankle sprain didn't just miss two weeks, three weeks; they were gone for six or seven. So I, I'm with you. I, I just think they have to be careful. But do you you don't you don't think they're gonna fall? Like, what's the lowest you think they'll fall before AD and LeBron come back? Like in the standings? Because I'll be real. I mean, there's a chance. And and again, you know, going over the schedule, it's like. Okay, you're going to need a guy like Kuzma, THT, Schroeder, you know, one of those guys to go off against against the Cavs or Orlando, at least have a decent, you know, 25, 30 point outing. So you are able to beat the lesser teams. But I mean, I look at those three games at Cleveland, Orlando, Sacramento. Those are games that should definitely they had definitely could win uh, and should win, I think, even without LeBron and AD. Uh, the Raptors is another winnable one, but again, you're looking at them right now. They're sitting in fourth currently in the Western conference. Where do you think they end up by the time LeBron and AD come back? Uh, so here's, here's how I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain this. It's a lot of math, but I promise I'm going to do this as, as, as math poetry. This is awesome. This is, you're showing all, all sorts of different signs here, Anthony. So yeah, well, I, I, I'm wearing <laughs> sandals right now. So I have access to my toes too. <laughs> okay. So, perfect. <laughs> so, so the Lakers right now are four games back of Utah and Dallas is eight and a half games back of Utah. Now they, I don't believe they have played yet. Yeah, they haven't played the same number of games. The Lakers have played more. Uh, so there's that to take into account too, but just for simplicity's sake, the Lakers are uh, four and a half games up on the Dallas Mavericks, who now currently sit at the eight spot. Mm-hmm. From there, Golden State and Memphis are at the nine and ten spots, who would play in that playing game, right? So the yeah. Lakers have between four and a half and six games separating them from those from those playing spots. Um, and I think obviously the priority here is to avoid those, those spots at all costs. So let's say the Lakers go out and they lose their next 10 games in a row. Well, if all of these teams play to their averages, uh, Dallas is sitting at 22 and 19, 
San Antonio is sitting at, at 22 and 18. Golden State is sitting at 22 and 22. Memphis, 20 and 20. So if all of these teams play to their averages and the Lakers go on a 10-game losing streak from here on out, those teams will have gained about five games or so on them on average. And, and the Lakers would be sitting right there, you know, in, in those spots where they're competing for those teams. And I just, I don't think for one thing, the Lakers are going to uh, lose 10 straight. I don't see that happening. I think they're too talented. And, and if it reaches that point, that's when you would be talking about LeBron or Anthony Davis getting a little antsy and pushing, putting a little bit pressure uh, to, to be able to come back. So even like just mathematically speaking, the Lakers are, are in a spot right now where because of how poorly the teams at the bottom of the uh, conference playoff picture, because of how poorly they've played to this point, they still have more of a window than it would normally seem. It's like those. It, remember when the Lakers would play the Celtics back in the, in, you know, in like the 2010 series or in 2008 mm-hmm. and the Celtics would have like a, a seven point lead that felt like they were up by 73 points. Like that's yeah, basically yeah. where the Lakers stand right now in terms of games ahead of, of, of uh, those teams that are fighting to just get up to the spot where the Lakers are, are at right now. Yeah. I, and that's what, that's what I I've been looking at this too. Like, like you're mentioning, dude, like they're, they're sitting there, they've, they built themselves up enough of a cushion that they're not going to be sitting there like, oh, damn, if we go two and eight, like we're screwed. You know what I mean? Like I, they've built themselves up. And and like you said, with with how you're breaking it down, it's like, OK, if those guys play it at average, I mean, I think a team like the Mavericks will probably move up as 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 the weeks go on just because they have such an easy schedule. They have the easiest schedule left in the NBA. Lakers, you know, for your information, are sitting at seventh, the seventh hardest remaining strength of schedule. Um, so I think, you know, a, a team like Dallas will probably start to move up a little bit. Um, again, Portland, San Antonio, they're hot and cold uh, up and down. I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I mean, even if they come back, let's just say they do miss, you know, 10 games that LeBron and AD do miss 10 games and the Lakers go one and nine, two and eight, whatever, somewhere around there, you still got 18 games to make up ground, you know, and it might take Mm -hmm. LeBron and AD three or four outings just to kind of get back into game shape and, you know, getting back to the feel of things. So you're looking at another 15 games and and realistically, if you got to make up, three or four games over 15 over a team like the Spurs and and Portland and, and Denver. Yeah, you, you probably will be able to do it. But the only team I, I am kind of worried about the Mavericks in that sense, just because they've been playing a lot better. They played a really tough first half schedule. And now they got the easiest one in the back half, like back to back games. They got two games against the Timberwolves, Pistons. They take on the Rock. You know what I mean? They got a lot of a lot of easy games towards the, the end of their schedule. But I mean, the Lakers have some easy ones, too. So I'm not really too worried about them, let's say, falling out of the play-in spots, but if, again, like you mentioned, if, if things go as bad as they could and they end up going 0-10, 1-9, and a team like the Mavericks moves up and, and kind of jumps them into that play-in spot, uh, you know, the Lakers could end up being a 7 or 8 seed. And again, this is something that we can't project because we don't know when the hell AD and LeBron are coming back. Right, but it would take it would take all of those teams. Port well, Portland less so because they've they've had a better season than the. But it would take all of San Antonio, all like all of San Antonio, Dallas, Golden State, Memphis, to all, uh, at the exact same time, go on six or seven game winning streaks. Which you know maybe it might happen or whatever. I don't even know if these these teams are going to play each other, but. It would take all of them going on a winning streak while the Lakers go on a losing streak at the exact same time for the Lakers to to be in that spot in the first place. And then, like you're saying, 
Let's say well, no, that does if they, happen. If, if the Lakers drop to seven, they, they'd be a part of, like, they finished seven, they're a part of the play-in, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and but so like, that's what I mean. I mean, you're looking at, De- like, Denver's eight and two in their last ten. Portland's, you know, again, I, I think Portland will make up two and a half games over the Lakers over the next, let's say, seven or eight, just if LeBron and AD aren't playing. And then you're falling into that Dallas, the Dallas-San Antonio um range where that and that's where i'm saying i'm looking at the mavericks i think the mavericks could jump in front of the lakers and catch up on them four and a half games even over the next 10 and then sit there and, and you got the lakers in 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 seven or, or you know what i mean like I, I just think they could fall down there i just don't think they'll finish there you know what i mean yeah right like t- to your point even if it does happen to where dallas does go on a run and by the way like one of my one of my better friends in covering all of this stuff is is kirk who does the podcast over there for Mavs Moneyball. And he has been miserable all year about that team. So I don't, I don't anticipate they will go on any kind of a run just because it, that team seems incapable of providing any sustainable happiness to their fan base. <laughs> um, but like, if that does happen, the Lakers would still have time to at least play their way out of the playing game, which like if they just win at the same rate that they were winning at, before LeBron and AD went down, they would be out of, they would, they would outplay those other teams within a week. Yeah. You know, they, they were, they were that far ahead of everybody uh, other than maybe Utah before everybody started getting hurt. And and look, maybe this is just a season from hell. Like we went through 2012, we went through the Dwight, Dwight Mary year. We've, we went through uh, the season with Carl Malone and Gary Payton, which was hugely frustrating and, and also ended in sadness, uh, which is like, Carl Malone's entire life basically and so like (laughs) and so like you you know maybe that's how this all plays out you know and 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 it just wasn't meant to be so far this year it's just that the Lakers were so good while everybody was healthy and they were so not just good but good relative to all of their competition even upper tier uh, competition to the point where the only team that I would be even kind of I guess nervous to play would be Brooklyn and the Lakers wouldn't see them for months until then, right? And, yeah. and in that time, the, the notion is that everybody would be able to be back and be healthy by then. Yeah, uh, it, and, you know, it's funny. Like, anytime we, we did the podcast prior to the injuries, you know, one thing we, we did talk about and, and harped on often is, you know, we were talking about, hey, like, let's just get to the playoffs. You know what I mean? So at least we have some interesting, although they're not very fun to watch, let's be real, Um you know, it's it's still like it, it's giving us something to look forward to over the next few weeks. Um, that's after the trade deadline. But yeah, I, I just think they're too once. And again, we don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not going to sit here and be a procrastinator in terms of their, um, you know, what their what their um, health status is going to be two weeks down the road. Again, these are these are very, very tricky injuries that both guys are dealing with. It's not just like, hey. Um, you know, they had a, a sprained ankle, like a, just a regular sprained ankle should be back in two to three weeks. It's like, again, you know, we're harping on it. The high ankle sprain could keep them out long. AD's injury could keep them. Out. We don't know. But I, again, like you were mentioning, if, if they just get those two guys back and even if there's 15 games left in the year, the Lakers are still going to be a handful for any team that they play. And I would still take them again. The, if those two are healthy, I'm still taking them as a favorites in the Western conference. Like I, I just, I'm not sold on Utah. I don't think Phoenix is experienced enough yet. The Clippers are the Clippers. And to me, I look at it. I'm like, okay, you got AD and LeBron healthy. As long as you're in the playoffs, that team's a favorite to win at least the Western conference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, my my boss for Locked On Lakers made the joke, you know, because I, for my Locked On video last night, I just poured a giant whiskey and then drank out of the bottle anyway. <laughs> um, and so, like, my boss sounds like a regular quote, regular uh, Tuesday night for you, Anthony, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's usually I drink the cocktail I make. Um, I don't go straight for the bottle. But so I, you know, he quote tweeted that with like, yeah, you know, maybe the occasional jazz fan might uh, might also be celebrating seeing Lakers fans the way that they currently are, to which I would say like most of your fan base doesn't drink. But anyway, <laughs> the um, but like he he made he made that comment and and I'm like, man, if I was a Utah fan, and maybe this is just like the utmost example, the foremost example of Lakers exceptionalism that exists in the world today. But if I was a Utah Jazz fan, the last team I would want to see in the first or second round are the Lakers. So if the Lakers drop to the four or five spot, or if they drop to the seven or eight spot, or hell, the nine or ten spot, I would be freaking the bleep out if I were the, <laughs> if I were the Jazz. <laughs> I would be really nervous about like this incredible season, one of the best seasons that they've had in, in, in recent franchise history, potentially ending with the first round matchup against the Lakers team that is now getting healthy, that now has Anthony Davis and now has LeBron James. And they're more rested, by the way, because they they had to recover, you know? And and so uh yeah, I <laughs> I think objectively the funniest way for this season to end is for the Lakers. I don't want this to happen, but if the Lakers could, you know, if they, if they fall all the way down to the 10 spot and they become the first team in NBA history to uh, be a 10 seed, to win an, to win a world championship or to win an NBA championship. Could you imagine the articles and the think pieces that would be launched about how the league is broken and, and how mm-hmm. we're all running towards sprinting towards preordained outcomes anyway? Like, could you imagine? And, and, and how that would energize me for a solid month? Like, I wouldn't have to <laughs> just inject those articles directly into my bloodstream. It would be a lot of B. I don't want to say the word, but a lot of BS, uh, you know, coming out and and if the Lakers did pull that off. But I'll be honest with you with how weird everything has gone, not just in the basketball world, just in, across the entire globe over the last year. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Lakers fall down to a seven or eight seed and get into the play-in. And like you mentioned, and then just whoop the Jazz in the first, you know, first round or second round, whenever they meet them. And everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, this is BS." You know, Utah had a, Utah had a, you know, the best record in the West. Why do they have to play? You know what I mean? Like the ten seed, and those are the hot takes that be coming in. But either way, I mean, it's gonna be a fun, at least, you know, final final couple of months here as we as we get towards the playoffs. Uh, and we're just hoping LeBron and AD get back healthy. Uh, let Let's wrap up on this. Like do you, we talked about this obviously throughout a majority of the beginning of the podcast. But are Lakers stand pat, or do they do something before the deadline? I, I still think they stand pat. I just don't see it. Uh, I don't think they have the assets to be able to to beat any offers for uh, for the names that are out there on the table right now. Now, the Lakers, the other thing, too, is that we are operating in, in a Rob Polinka era, and the kinds of deals that Rob Polinka tends to make are the ones that you don't hear about very much, right, outside mm-hmm. of the AD one, but that was because Magic spent – like the entire year that he was employed by the Lakers live tweeting his, his job as, or or at least texting every reporter possible uh, about everything that he was thinking about doing as, as a president of basketball operations for the Lakers. Um, Palenka outside of that AD deal moves very quietly. And, and I just think a lot of the noise that we've been hearing about Oladipo about, uh, about uh, Kyle Lowry is the latest example and and so on and so forth are are names that 
at least in terms of trades, that this isn't usually how a Rob Polinka trade comes together. So I, I tend to still think they, they wind up sitting this out. They walk away with Andre Drummond and, and they, you know, maybe walk away with an extra guard or a wing or something like that, that they can find on the buyout market and, and just focus on getting everybody healthy again. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's what's going to end up happening. I don't think they're going to do anything splashy or big. I, like you said, I, why the hell would Toronto want to take a package of, of Schroeder and, and and you know, like you mentioned, maybe Montrez Harrell and whatever. Like Toronto looks like they're ready to, to rebuild and, and go around, like you mentioned, Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and, and go from there. So I, I'm with you. I think they're going to take their time. And like I mentioned, they were 21 and seven before AD missed the, you know, the prolonged period. So like people shouldn't be sitting here and, and panicking. It's like just the biggest focus is, get those two back healthy and things are going to be fine. But again, like I mentioned, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks and I'm sure we'll see some crazies be like, they should fire Frank Vogel <laughs> over there once the Lakers lose five or six in a row. Uh, that does it for this episode. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast network. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. You can catch us there. And of course, silverscreenandroll.com, Harrison, Christian, Sabrina, the entire crew will have you covered throughout not only the trade deadline, which is 12 p.m. Pacific on Thursday, but also throughout the rest of the regular season. That does it for this episode. We'll talk to you all next time. Thank you.